Hi, I'm Jamie Poisson, and I host CBC's daily news podcast, Front Burner. Every weekday, we set out to have a conversation about the biggest Canadian and global issues that you want to know more about, from politics to culture to online stuff. We spend a lot of time on the show thinking about the best ways to have those conversations and searching for the smartest people to have them with. That's it. That's the cell. I hope you'll tune in. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. It's the holiday season, and for many, visits from the in-laws or hosting holiday parties can be a stressful time. Uh, And I'm sure you've got your other uh, sources of stress. So this week we're asking, can mindfulness help with stress? Hi, Melanie. Welcome to The Dose. Hello. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. So what do you do over the holidays to stay relaxed? Um, I would say my favorite thing to do is uh, a version of what I like to do all year round to decompress with added holiday features. So I I am a fan of a cup of tea and a good book in a cozy place. And then during the holidays, uh, if that can occur by some twinkling lights or a TV that looks like a fireplace uh, with a cozy blanket, maybe... uh, my fluffy dog, things like that. Um, you know, that's that's my happy place. Well, I'm certainly going to be interested in hearing what you have to say because I have a very restless mind and I and I tend to find that uh, I, I need vigorous exercise to kind of quiet my mind down. So I want to hear what you have to say. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. Just ad lib. Hi, my name is Melanie Bedali. I'm a registered psychologist and I practice in the province of British Columbia. For those who may not know, Let's start with the basics. What is mindfulness? Mindfulness is paying attention in a particular way. It's paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment. So it sounds simple enough when you say it in one sentence, but doing it is is easier said than done. Um, you know, our attention wanders all over the place in the past, in the present, in some cool uh, ways in our imagination that, you know, don't exist, have never existed. Um, so it's really about directing your attention to a particular um, place, which is the here and now, and doing it without telling stories about, um, you know, what you're paying attention to. So a lot of us, myself included, tend to editorialize and, you know, kind of tell stories about what's going on and judge things. And being mindful is um, about really trying to focus on the facts, uh, not our stories or criticisms or, or judgment of what's happening. Uh, and I'm going to want to unpack that in some detail because I certainly know um, in terms of self-criticism and self-judgment, you know, just how often judginess, if we can call it that, is, is yes. a major part of, of the restlessness that I feel. But first of all, how does mindfulness differ from meditation? That's a great question. I would consider um, mindfulness, certainly mindfulness meditation, um, under the umbrella of meditation. So if you looked at meditation as, um, you know, kind of a family of self-regulation practices that focus on training our attention, um, mindfulness can be one type of practice under, um, you know, kind of the, the umbrella of meditation. I think one thing that really differs between mindfulness meditation and some other types of meditation is there's no goal to achieve a particular 
state or feeling with mindfulness meditation. You're not trying to, you know, feel any specific way. You're just trying to be in the here and now and noticing that. What would you say is one big myth surrounding mindfulness that the public may have, people who aren't familiar with mindfulness? I think um, if people have heard of mindfulness, they've probably also heard it in connection with the word meditation. And I think they, they sort of picture someone sitting silently with their legs crossed, maybe their eyes closed, seeking some inner truth. And, you know, for some people focusing on a mantra or repeating a word over and over again. And they have this idea that it has to be done in a specific way, a specific position. And that also you have to, um, you know, kind of be able to clear your mind. And, you know, I myself have a very, very busy mind. Me too. And I think the thing with, um, you know, mindfulness is it's not about clearing your mind. It's just about when your mind wanders, bringing that attention back to the here and now, or in some other types of meditative practices, bringing that attention back to um, whatever it's your goal to have it, your attention on, whether that's your breath or, uh, you know, particular practice. Do you, uh, are you a practitioner, a self-practitioner of mindfulness? Yes, I use mindfulness. I think, you know, now I would call myself quite a casual um, practitioner. I don't have a regular daily practice anymore, but I am a big fan of whatever it is you learn. If you can learn it in a more structured way, whether that's learning piano, learning a new sport or learning mindfulness, if you can, if you can get a good course or a good book or something and invest a little bit of time in it at the beginning, then you can practice more casually as you go on. I'm gathering that there are many ways to practice mindfulness, but can you, can you kind of give me one example of, of uh, a teaser that, uh, that you might offer up to a client as, as one of many that they could try? So one of the first things that I usually would introduce to a client is uh, the stop skill, which was developed by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn. But this is just, you can think of the word stop. Uh, imagine even a stop sign and those four letters, S-T-O-P, and the S is for stop. And just pause momentarily. T is for take a breath. And so that's your opportunity to connect with your breath, use your breath to act as an anchor to the present moment. For some of us, we need a, a few breaths in the, <laughs> in, in the O part of it. Um, the O is for observe. So that's where we really just try to notice what's happening in the here and now. And that's where we try not to get all judgy, judgy, um, just to observe as, as a scientist, the facts, if you can add some kindness to that observation, that can be useful too. And then the P is for proceed. So you just kind of reconnect with your surroundings and carry on with the wisdom or that little, you know, maybe you got a little pause there to recenter yourself uh, and keep going or change course mindfully. And this is something that can happen in a very brief amount of time, or you can stretch it out with the uh, the the breathing and and the observational uh, components. Again, you might not be able to do this in holiday traffic, um, and I'm sure you know not every moment in the ER is going to allow somebody to be able to stop. But we can usually <laughs> find a moment or two to um, kind of center ourselves with this skill. So that's usually one of the ones that I introduce uh, 
people too, because it's easy to remember in the moment. You can think of that kind of stop sign and can help you remember the, the steps. That is lovely. Um, and I'll share one with you. Um, whenever I'm beating myself up, um, I remember a phrase that has resonated with me on a deep emotional level that is attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. Comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, <laughs> I, I love that one. And, and when I say it, I, I center myself and I, and I get to the root of, because my automatic thoughts are all about comparison, comparison judgment. I mean, they're all, they're all kind of fishing in the same pond, if we can, if we can say that. Anyway, that, that, that's mine. But it's interesting because STOP, comparison is the thief of joy. The, the cadence is almost identical. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, lo- I love that phrase. And I, I, you might have heard me giggling. It was not at your suffering and your need to use no, the no, phrase. No, I know. <laughs> because, yeah. of course, that's, the recognition. You know, no one wants to pull that one out. But it, just because I, I think it's a big gun phrase and one I've used myself many times and shared with clients many times over the years. Um, And, you know, when I'm sharing with clients, I usually also normalize that, you know, comparison is normal. We're, we're wired for that. It's, you know, if you're into evolutionary biology at all, I think there's something to be said for in order for us to survive, we needed to kind of be taking stock of our position relative to other people. And, you know, no one wants to be the last zebra left behind for the lion to get. And so I think, you know, for some of us, it's it's very wired in there that, you know, we need to be comparing and competing. And for many people that gets reinforced over the years, certainly people who were in school for a long time, like you and I, <laughs> probably got reinforced for a lot of the, you know, uh, achievement-driven, performance-driven, uh, you know, strivings we did. And mindfulness is different than that. It's It's not about striving. It's not about achievement. It's about curiosity. It's about, you know, kind of taking that moment to connect with ourselves and, and where we are right now. And yeah, leaving that little joy thief out of it. We are definitely on the same wavelength. So what does the research say about how mindfulness can help with stress? So there is a lot of research out there, definitely like well over a thousand studies. And um the studies tend to have focused on the programs. So like the eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program I sort of alluded to that John Kabat-Zinn developed and some mindfulness-based cognitive therapy uh, programs that have been uh, well studied. And so, you know, I think we know better about the impact of those, you know, kind of structured programs that have been well-researched and less about like, you know, how will that stop technique help you in you know, in your daily life. Um, But, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, a a practice of mindfulness will do is it helps you um, increase your um, focus. It's basically like, you know, if we wanted to, to, you know, strengthen our upper body, we might do a certain set of, you know, weight training and follow a program and, and build our muscle. And that's something we may, we could even maybe even visually see the results over time. Um, when we're trying to, you know, practice, uh, you know, strengthening our attention, it's not something we can kind of look in the mirror and say, oh, I've gotten better at attention today. Sometimes we might suddenly notice that we're, we're kind of more in control of our attention. Um, and certainly there's like, 
really cool neuroscience research that shows that areas in the brain can actually change with um, mindfulness practice, which I find so interesting. So there's a lot of research showing that areas of the brain associated with attention, um, associated with emotional regulation can be affected by um, the practice of mindfulness. So that's really cool. And good research showing, again, for those bigger doses of, um, and programs of uh, mindfulness practice, reductions in anxiety and depression, um, blood pressure, chronic pain, fatigue. Uh, so it's pretty exciting that, um, you know, there are these things that can help. Um, you know, some people suggest that, you know, it's because mindfulness and meditation can help us dial down the body's response to stress. And then through that, um, you know, we get those benefits because we know chronic stress can, it's not great for our immune system and it can make problems that are already there worse. And so some people kind of look at it as a, you know, it's the mindfulness helps the stress, the stress helps the other stuff. I, I think there's just more that we don't know than, than what we do know, but and, you know, there's certainly enough research out there to suggest it's worth a try. Hi, I'm Michelle Shepard, host of Uncover Charmini from CBC Podcasts. In 1999, 15-year-old Charmini Anandavale disappeared on her way to a job that police believed didn't exist. Four months later, her remains were found in a wooded ravine. I revisit the case that has stayed with me for over 20 years, ever since I first covered it as a cub crime reporter for the Toronto Star. You can find Uncover Charmini on CBC Listen or on your favorite podcast app. This is holiday time, and, and that means holiday events, which can be stressful for some people, particularly those with social anxiety. How can mindfulness help people like that? Well, I think that non-judgment piece, that non-comparison piece we were talking about before can be really useful for people with uh, social anxiety. So things that happens with anxiety um, cognitively, so in, in the way that we think, is that we tend to overestimate the threat or danger uh, involved in a particular social situation, and we underestimate our ability to cope or our resources in that situation. So our perception matters. And if we're telling a lot of stories about um, you know, what's happening at that party or what's going to happen in that party or what happened at that party. And they're seen through an anxious lens that focuses on threat and all the bad things that are going to happen. We're going to feel more anxious. Whereas if we can use a more mindful lens, especially for the present moments or a more non-judgmental lens for the more time traveling moments, um, that can really help us focus on the facts and the reality versus the worst case scenarios, which is, you know, one of the things that tends to loom large for people with social anxiety. And are there any tips for how people can use meditation to relax and unwind? Yes, I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, if you think that that would be a good fit for you, you can start to um, develop a regular practice. And that could be, you know, again, starting with learning through a course, or you could um, 
you know, develop those skills by, you know, even now, if you Googled Dr. John Kabat-Zinn and evidence science-based mindfulness practices, you'd get, you know, YouTube videos and links. And sometimes that can be overwhelming to, you know, sort through all of that. Um, So one of the things that uh, I usually recommend is I suggest people go to a couple of um, strategies to try on Anxiety Canada's website and their free app. Um, and so, you know, if people wanted to try a few exercise exercises, the free MindShift CBT app um, has like a three-minute mindful breathing exercise and a six-minute body scan exercise that people can try. And that's just about, in terms of that directing attention piece, it starts with something more simple, like your breath and your body. Again, it's not really simple, but it's easier than some of the day-to-day you know, kind of mindfulness practices that might be a little bit more uh, difficult to master. So how long does it take from the moment you start practicing mindfulness to to begin to enjoy some of the benefits? I think that's a really good question. And I think the answer is that the research is still out on that. Mm -hmm. We know from the programs that have been um, developed. And so just to give you or and the listeners a sense of what, you know, kind of a typical MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction program looks like, it's an eight-week program where you have 26 hours of classes. There's usually eight classes of about two and a half hours each, so one per week, and then an all-day class. And then you're, um, you have homework to practice in between. So it's a pretty a pretty big dose. Um, But there's also been other studies showing you may not need that much. And ones that have, you know, kind of done briefer programs have shown that it can make a difference. Even taking a few deep breaths, if you notice yourself and you're really breathing quickly and from your chest, if you switch that to some deeper breaths coming more from your belly, you can feel that almost instantaneously if you really are focusing, if you're focusing on on, on your breath or if you're really focusing on um, relaxing some muscles, you can you can notice a difference in the in the short term. Are there any stereotypic examples in which in which it doesn't work you, in which you wouldn't recommend it? I think it's worth a try for at least a few seconds, right? To to sort of center yourself, take a deep breath and come back into the moment. But I guess if you don't have a second, you know, if you're, you know, driving in icy conditions and, you know, maybe you're operating on somebody or I'm in the moment of, of trying to really attend to a client and really listen to everything they had, uh, you know, I'm not going to direct my attention to myself. I'm going to direct my attention to the other person or surgeon is going to direct their attention to their, you know, patient. And in the car, we need all of our attention focused on the, Um, on the wheel and the road. And it's one of those things that you can kind of think of it sort of like a, like, um, like a camera lens, or some people have described it like a flashlight and, you know, it can get jerked around, but then we want to bring it back to what, you know, we, we want our focus to be on. And so, you know, um, there might be some people say you could mindfully operate or mindfully um, drive because that's in the moment. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, to do it consciously, though, is work. And so I think there are sometimes we just have to be in the moment. And, and I think if this is where if you've been practicing mindfulness quite regularly, maybe you can be in the moment more without 
that judgment and in the here and now and less kind of in your head time traveling, you know, when you've practiced that skill. So so there's a bit of muscle memory here that if you, if you practice mindfulness that you're going to be more prepared to use it uh, in, on a moment's notice. I think so. And I would say the research doesn't disprove that. <laughs> you know, again, it's hard to to say definitively and capture all situations. But yeah, there does seem to be some carryover benefits in the same way as if you're exercising. Hmm. Last question I'm going to ask you, some people listening to us, you know, you, you've given us, you've, you've given us some web resources. What about apps? Are there any apps that can, that are worth thinking about if you're interested in giving mindfulness a try? Um, I generally will give a specific recommendation for people to go to the One Mind Cyber Guide, which is a nonprofit re- site that re- reviews apps just to keep on top of, I can't, I have trouble keeping on top of the privacy and what the science has said about the apps and they do a pretty good job of reviewing it. So I would go there. And if you like um, things to, you know, kind of be um, led and be able to, to listen things rather than some general instructions. The UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center has a whole bunch of free um, things you can click on and, and listen to. Uh, to me, that's a really, that's a hot tip for, <laughs> for me. One of many great hot tips, Dr. <laughs> Melanie Badali. Thank you so much for, for, for speaking with me and, and uh, happy holidays. Thank you. You too. Dr. Melanie Badali is a registered psychologist at North Shore Stress and Anxiety Clinic in North Vancouver. Here's your dose of smart advice. Mindfulness is a therapeutic technique that can help relieve stress and anxiety. The technique has its roots in Buddhist meditation and has been popularized through the work of John Kabat-Zinn, who developed the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, or MBSR. Mindfulness is a mental state achieved by focusing your awareness on the present moment while acknowledging and accepting your feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations without judgment. There are many ways to practice mindfulness. One way is the STOP technique, an acronym that stands for S, stop what you're doing. T, take a few deep breaths. O, observe your experience just as it is, including thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And P, proceed with something that will support you in the moment, like talking to a friend, rubbing your shoulders, or having a cup of tea. Mindfulness can help reduce anxiety and stress. It can lower heart rate and blood pressure and can also help relieve chronic pain. You can get proficient at mindfulness through daily practice. That way you can call up the benefits of mindfulness when you need it on short notice. Some techniques require up to 40 minutes at a time, but with practice you can enjoy some of the benefits in minutes or even seconds, something that could come in handy during the holiday season. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.